Hey y'all, welcome to Southern Fried Spooky, the podcast home of all things spooky, creepy, and, and alternative. alternative. Today, we're going back to the coast for a look at something not creepy exactly, but certainly alternative. What are we looking at? Pirates. Pirates are. Oh dear, this will never end well. <laughs> Specifically, Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed. Ooh. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. We wouldn't want you to have to walk the plank for not subscribing. <laughs> and please leave us a few stars. We could use us a bit of shine in our hold. Yar! Yep, he's not going to stop. <laughs> I'm your Carolina Coastal Girl, Mad Magical Heather. And I'm your Terror of the Southern Seas, Tony, the Magnificent Beard, <laughs> swinging from the rigging. Let's weigh anchor and be off on our adventures. Aye! Bill Drat. Okay, so, back in 2003, Pirates of the Caribbean sailed into cinemas and became a tremendous hit. Along with, like, <laughs> a lot of sequels, right? Four or five, and I've seen them all. Yeah, they're, they're great movies. I but, still love the first one. No. And the last yeah, one. Absolutely. But most coastal towns are already known for, like, history and, and ghost tours, and actually even started adding pirates onto their tours. Like, Savannah offers, like, boat tours. Even they, they have a pirate restaurant. The Pirate House. Yeah, that the is Pirate so House. so much fun. It's um, also haunted, so it kind of goes both I ways. I didn't know that. That's awful. Awesome. <laughs> Um, Charleston is another famous harbor, of course, that played a large role in pirates during the Golden Age. Indeed. And uh, I believe that's where uh, great old Uncle Blackbeard lost everything from the neck up. Pity. I was always fond of him. Yes. The Golden Age of Piracy. Yes. 1670 to 1720. Yeah, best years. Best years. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a pirate, yes. And Charleston, or Charlestown at the time. That's right. It was Charlestown, wasn't it? It was initially. was a big port for pirates when they're not at the Caribbean to sell stolen goods. Of course, it's infamous for being a slave trafficking port. But it was also the adolescent home of Anne Bonny, the hot-headed daughter of an Irish plantation owner. I did not know that. So she's, I mean, she started out in Ireland, but she came to Charleston for when she was 11. So our entire hook... The entire reason we're getting to talk about this is that she spent a teensy bit of time in Charleston. (laughs) Close enough. Hey, she's Southern. By proxy, she's Southern. And, you know, so many Southerners are Irish, so or at least of Irish descent, so why not? Indeed. So back in the 1720s, there is printed a general history of the robberies and murders of the most notorious pirates. And we hit creepy. (laughs) And also an obnoxiously long title because it was the 1720s. But this book was sensationalized. Mm-hmm. It's not the most historically accurate record, and it is where a lot of Hollywood gets its ideas about walking the plank and swigging rum all the time. Apparently, a lot of this is like movie tropes, even Pirates of the Caribbean, but it's not exactly how real life was for pirates as far as we know. But why is the rum gone? <laughs> <laughs> because it was never there. <laughs> it it might have been there a little bit, but not as much as, as they would let us think. So some of this comes from this particular author, Charles Johnson, who even himself like Shakespeare, no one's really sure is he actually the author or not. There's a lot of confusion. So a great deal of what we know about Anne Bonny comes from this not necessarily credible author, but there are researchers at the Smithsonian who have tried to confirm some things. So we're going to talk about Anne Bonny and if she it's legendary and not truth. Well, we did our best. Yeah, right. <laughs> Anne was born between 1698 or 1792. That's too far of a... Yeah, I don't that's know. That's almost a hundred year gap. No, that's wrong. One of those is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just skip 
Keith that day. Anne Bonny was born in Cork, Ireland. William Cormack is a lawyer. Her, he's a lawyer. And Mary Brennan was the family maid. That's her mother. Mm. Mrs. Cormack wasn't exactly happy about this affair or the illegitimate child. So as Cormack couldn't spend time openly with his daughter, he disguised her as a boy and paraded her about as the uh, award given to him from some family member. Like like a ward. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, This is, I don't know, Nephew Charlie. Well, I don't know what name she went by. Um, Andrew. Perhaps. (laughs) And like most women in this time, Anne discovered there's a lot of advantages to being a boy Mm -hmm. rather than a girl. She could go about and do what she wanted, mostly. But at some point, Mrs. Cormack figured this out, that this was not a little boy. Ooh. And that her husband was having a dalliance with the maid. For whatever reason, William Cormack packed up his mistress and their daughter and set sail for the southern British colonies, Charlestown. Nice. So, yes, he left his wife and his established law practice, and I guess Mary Brennan was really good at cleaning house. Yeah, and other things. (laughs) So, upon landing, William shifted from the law practice to being a planter or plantation owner. Yeah. Now, Mary Brennan died when Anne was... 12 or 13 of typhoid. Ooh, typhus. That sucks. Which probably had some sort of deep-seated psychological effect on Anne, but being Irish and, I don't know, just with this interesting lifestyle of growing up kind of as a boy, she developed a bit of an explosive anger, violent tendencies. She repeatedly stabbed a house servant with a butter knife. A butter knife? I mean, there was another record that said she actually killed one of the servants, so I don't know which of those is more accurate. Again, we don't know if that's accurate or folklore. It could just be part of her reputation Well, from what I remember, she had a reputation of being a hothead. Oh, yeah. Indeed, she did. So at this point, I don't think she was trying to live as a boy because around the age of 15, one of her favorite pastimes was carousing in pubs and the pirate clientele there. Well, she kind of liked bad boys. I think there's actually a word for that. I can't remember what it is now. But she enjoyed drinking with them and seducing them at age 15. Like Um, one does. uh, I guess. (laughs) She went through an interesting teenage years. I mean, this is only two or three years after her mother died. Well, also keep in mind this was the 1600s. Truly. Alas, her behavior was still considered of bad reputation and it started rubbing off on her father's business. Something about, you know, he can't control his daughter. And this drove a bit of a wedge into the relationship. Well, yeah. I mean, they were very close up until this point. She was in her teens and her father needs to marry her off to someone and I think she was a little hard to market (laughs) as the explosive fireball that she was. Who stabbed somebody with a butter knife? Yeah. I mean, he would be trying to marry her off for financial slash political gain and she's not a very useful pawn at that. Yeah, and well, she's a little deadly with cutlery. (laughs) So she found a suitor of her own, which was not a business prospect. She found a wannabe sailor named James Bonney. This is where she gets her name. Mm. At least the name that she's known by. Her father, of course, did not approve and apparently disowned her. But they were wed in 1718 and set off to a place that sounds lovely, New Paradise. Which I believe is in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Now, about the same time, Woods Rogers, who is a former pirate himself... Yep, and who was known for hunting pirates. Yes, he. this is at this time when he has been sent to tame the pirates in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. He's becoming their governor. The, the premise was he would offer a pardon to anyone who wished to retire from piracy. And it worked in a couple of locations, but where he was here, the pirates were just not interested in retiring. Yeah, that's some, that's some Charles Vane level <laughs> screwery right there. It could well be. You you know more about pirates than I do. 
I mean, not too long ago, we were watching a, I think, a Netflix show on the golden age of pirates, and yeah. it had so many good characters, but um, I do believe this was also covered. But James Bonney decided one of the alternatives to being a pirate is that you could be a snitch, basically. Hmm. So he became a snitch for hire for Woods Rogers. Snitches get stitches. Yeah, and surgery wasn't great back then. Or ditches. <laughs> Especially when your wife is... We'll, we'll stop there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And Anne was friends with a lot of the pirates. So this didn't sit well with her. Did she stab him to death with a damn butter knife? No. No. She did manage to control herself at least that much. But around this time, Anne Bonnie met the infamous Calico Jack Rackham. Oh, Calico Jack. An established and colorful seafaring character. Now, I've heard two different things. One said that he wore such outlandishly colorful clothing that that's how he got the nickname of Calico Jack. And I've read somewhere else that it was, no, he just didn't like silk, which I can't imagine why you would not like silk. But he's, uh, his moniker is based on fabric, not his sword prowess or his fabulous beard. <laughs> I'd, I'd always heard that, that he didn't like the feel of silk. So he stitched his own clothing and he didn't care about the color. So some of it was tan. And some of it was black. That's sort what of the I lens connect of the day. Yes, that's what I had heard. That he just he would put together all his own stuff, and it was just off colored. <laughs> it was all colored. Yeah. Well, I think I remember in Myrtle Beach at the aquarium there, they occasionally have like this rotating exhibit. And a couple years ago, they did Pirates. And of course, it was probably because of Pirates of the Caribbean. And they actually had this whole thing about, I want to say it was Corsairs, about how pirates sort of took pride in, you know, piecing together their costumes mm-hmm. or their, their clothing from, you know, I'll steal this and I took this off of that captive and, you well, know, just I putting mean, it together. There were, there were quite a few pirates who were known to go on to ships, steal things, go to the captain and rip off their insignias and patch them to their own their, their own, own clothing their own clothing I didn't know that one yeah it's just one of those things of hey look who I hit you know oh yeah <laughs> Sort of like the Boy Scout badge of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, it, it seems I'm missing a Spanish galleon. Who's up for that one? And walking an old lady across the street. All right. that... <laughs> so as... Mm, moving on. Sorry, James Bonney was not a great sailor, so he, you know, was this snitch. He wasn't a great husband, as far as Anne was concerned. And Bonney took the opportunity to tell Governor Woods about his wife's other man, Calico Jack. Oh. Now, as I understand it, Calico Jack had attempted to effectively buy off Anne from her husband. This was kind of a primitive colonies method of divorce. Like, I'll give you money, you let me take your wife. This is like what dowry you might have gotten from her kind of thing. Um, And for whatever reason, James Bonney was not interested. So, instead of getting the money and, and going through a proper colonial divorce... Wait, those existed back then? Well, you know, it was kind of a workaround. Uh, Okay. But because he wouldn't go with it, a bounty was conveniently put on Jack Rackham, and Anne was ordered home to her husband, and a flogging. A flogging. Yeah, for some reason, this offer wasn't exactly appealing to her, and, you know... Well, I mean, would it be to anyone? (laughs) Go back to your husband, questionable. And a flogging, no thank you. And she wasn't exactly the obedient type anyway, so she just ran off with Calico Jack, and they set sail on a stolen ship called the William. 
Wait a minute. The William? That's what I what I understand. It's just called The William. I don't know why. Okay, no, I've heard of people naming their ships really weird things like the the heart of the ocean or the <laughs> the Jenny, but Queen Anne's Revenge. Well, that was Blackbeard's ship. Mm-hmm. Or just the Revenge. I did read somewhere where her ship was called the Revenge, but most of the literature that I've found, it was they, the ship they stole was called the William. The William. The William. Okay. Maybe they called it Billy. I, I don't know. <laughs> come on, come on, you landlubbers, get upon the Billy. <laughs> come up on William. We'll have a drink. <laughs> I'm sure it like just stoked fear in the hearts of pirates everywhere. Yeah. Can you imagine? that you're up in the crow's nest and you're like ahoy there be a ship captain i think it be the william I, okay I guess which we're, one <laughs> we're approaching the dread pirate roberts versus wesley yeah, yeah okay yeah. so so anyway my point way back when was that james bonnie he missed out on this potential money from jack rackham and because he had a bounty put on calico jack he had to flee so he lost the money he lost his wife and the governor missed all of this well, it proves that snitches do get stitches. And by the way, said young lady was 16 or 17 at this time. Oh, wow. I mean, she was still pretty young. And she is one of the very few, rare, noted female pirates. I think before her, by about a century, was Grace O'Malley. Yeah, yeah. But there aren't really any others. You know, it's it's actually said that there were a whole lot more female pirates than people give them credit for. And um, it could be that they do just enjoy disguising themselves or just dressing more masculinely because, let's face it, big heavy skirts on the ocean, not great. Yeah, and also you fall in the water, you sink. Oh, yeah, Like definitely. with the hoops and the corsets and everything else, you sink. Let's just face it. Yeah, having worked Ren Fair long enough to know that my dress gains about 20 pounds when it rains, when it I can rains, only yeah. imagine what it would be like if it was fully wet. Well, but. I mean, um, there's also, I'll have to find it at some point, there was also one of the most feared pirates was a woman from China. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they actually did kind of slightly represent her in, what was it, the second or third Pirates movie where they had the Council of All the Pirates. Yeah. Um, she was pretty widely feared. Can't remember her name, but mm-hmm. yeah, she was a good one. And um, But she may not have been really counted because this is all like Eurocentric and she was Chinese. Yeah, and also a little off topic, but still on pirates, some slaves, runaway slaves became pirates as well. Well, this is true. We noted, or if we all remember, I think, our first time seeing the first Pirates of the Caribbean and how very diverse the crew seems to be. Yes. And they were all treated with equal respect. One of the things that people don't seem to know is that pirate ships were surprisingly democratic. They were surprisingly upwardly mobile, if you will, and it was really good for minorities. You know, people who were as you say, former slaves. Um, Side note, Blackbeard killed three people on his ship for using the N-word. And wasn't his, like, constant companion an African gentleman? Yes. But he he killed Caesar, three. I think. He, yeah, he killed three people for using the N word. I didn't think it existed back then, or some variation of it. Well, I suppose. the the yeah, it, it did exist. It wasn't hard R. It got you, got you. But you know, back then it still existed, and it was just saying like, I walk up to you and say, "Hey, Whitey." 
Yeah, you know, that's that's sort of like it is. It'd be like me naming a, a dragon Draco. I'm, I'm essentially just calling him dragon in another language. Fair enough. But what an odd thing to bring into this conversation. But you under but you understand what oh, I'm I guess saying, that, yeah. yeah. Like and and apparently these three guys were just chit chatting around a barrel one night and laughing and having a good time, and they all started using the word and being in his old black beard glory, walked up, ran one through, cut the other one's head off, and threw the other one off board, and was like, no one will be using that that word on my ship ever again. Now is this a legend? Is uh, this... this is this is still just a legend. A lot about pirates and I think we're covering that here is just hearsay. It, it really is. is. I think part of it is also that they want to build the reputation. Yeah. And because the fierce of the reputation, the less danger they actually have to well, put themselves to with fights my, and whatnot. One of my favorite quotes is actually from Blackbeard. Uh-huh. Which is if a man plays the fool, it's only fools he'll be persuading. But if you <laughs> appear to be the devil, all men will submit. Says the man who put lit fuses in his beard. But I'm sure we'll cover him yes, at some other point yeah, because Blackbeard is awesome. Now, I don't know if piracy was quite as equal opportunity for women. Again, in the films we have, what was it, Anna Marie, there was a woman, a few yeah. women on board, and of course Kira Knightley's character. But again, this is not necessarily history, it's Disney uh, history. It's what Disney I, history. It's what I like to refer to it as Disney history. Based on a ride that is ever-changing. Yes. <laughs> Still love the ride, though. Oh, absolutely. Though I do feel that Shanghai has the better version, but anyway. Oh, look up. If, if you're listening to this and you have never seen video of the Shanghai Pirates of the Caribbean, go and look up a ride-through. It is one of the most amazing things I've ever experienced on VR. Like, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, it's immaculate. It's beautiful. Ours is just the uh, nostalgic one. Yeah. Back to our actual pirate ship and not the ride. Yeah. <laughs> Women were not afforded quite as much freedom. I mean, they still they could be on ships as cooks, seamstresses, maids, yeah. prostitutes, but they weren't quite afforded as much freedom as the men, mm-hmm. but it was still a lot better than most of society. I mean, there are those who saw women as bad luck Black on beer. a pirate ship. And honestly, one of my first plays that I was in back in 1986 was uh, Peter Pan, and all I could remember is uh, Captain Hook getting very upset over Wendy, you know, never have luck on a pirate ship with a woman of the bo- on board. Yeah, and that was actually a, a Blackbeard reference. Was it? It wasn't the fact that he looked down on women or anything like that. He thought that having a woman on board his ship would cause his men not to want to work. They'd all walk... A distraction? Yeah, they, they would all walk around looking at her instead of getting their job done. Which, I don't know. I mean, I think at this time in history it was still men were considered to have these ungovernable passions or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, who knows? I mean, that it could have been a distraction. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I believe they, like, they would, they tended to nurse the sick during battles oh, yeah. and stuff, and yeah. So, back to Anne. Remember yeah. Anne? Yeah. We, we talked about Anne a while yeah, back. Yeah, Anne. She would dress in women's clothes, I guess, such as were comfortable on board. You know, she never was trying to pass herself off as a man entirely, but during battles, she would dress as a man. And again, I think probably just for the practicality of it, well, trousers are much easier to run in. <laughs> I, I was about to say, let's let's look at clothing back then. Men back then, especially working on a ship, had loose-fitting, flowy clothes. Yeah. Now, you mentioned hoops earlier. I think in the 1700s, hoops and farthingales were not as prevalent, especially for someone who was not upper class. Mm. I mean, the, the, the hoops had gotten smaller. You know, we're not... It's sort of between the Renaissance and the giant Southern Belle. It would still be lots and lots of layers of fabric. So, yeah. Yeah, she wouldn't want to do that. Now, kind of touching on what you mentioned before in 1719 and 
as they say, fell pregnant. Oh, she developed a parasite. She, ew, she did. <laughs> um, Pregnancy, the first STD. Gross. You're so bad. <laughs> now, she realized that her condition would kind of hinder her fighting and fun, and while she wasn't exactly the most maternal sort, she did realize that a pirate ship was probably no place for an infant. You know, as you mentioned, everyone works. It's very busy. Yeah, yeah. No one's going to have time to take care of a baby, and she certainly, I guess, was not very interested. No. So what is known is that Calico Jack dropped her off in Cuba. In Cuba. To wait out her pregnancy and give birth, and it's really not known what exactly she did during this time, like how she spent her, quote, confinement, or even if they still did that, probably the actions of Calico Jack were more fun and interesting than that of a pregnant woman sitting around waiting <laughs> in Cuba. Indeed, who, you know, have been known to stab people with <laughs> blunt cutlery. I can only imagine if she, you know, had hormonal rages, oh, how bad Lord. that would be. But there is some question about, you know, is this, did they both agree on this? Was this a, I mean, it was probably a, a logical and better idea, but did this put a wedge between them? Because that's like a year that he just you know, left her. <laughs> well, back then, it wasn't uncommon for men to leave their women and go off and work fields or something and be gone for that year and then come back and stay home a season, go on a season. You know, even, not even in piracy, but in life, that's how it just worked back then. And it just struck me that as connected as we are nowadays, how frustrating it must have been to go months and months with maybe some letters, but if anything happened, would she ever know? She might not. Yeah, for real. And, you know, she is... We're spoiled these days, people. We're spoiled. She, she is currently dating a wanted man who has been known for his villainy. Indeed. Well, I think that's what she finds most attractive about yeah, him. Yeah, but, you know, she's off in a place that she's fine, and her man is currently out robbing people and doing his thing. and Collecting that puts, his voice out. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that kind of puts him in danger. So, well, of true. course, she's probably worried. Now, after the year, she comes back, and it's like, the, I don't know if the, the historians seem to have forgotten to mention what happened to their child. Was it a boy? Was it a girl? We don't even know. Did it survive? Was it stillborn? Did it... We don't know what happened to the child. I mean, I assume if the child was delivered healthy, probably it ended up in a convent or child yeah, orphanage, orphanage kind of place somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. We just don't know. It was just never said. And I, there just seems to be no discussion. It was just like, okay, she's back. We'll just pick up where we left off. Yeah. Well, back then, you really didn't discuss things like that. Well, perhaps. But I'm sure there were, maybe it was discussed between the two of them, I should hope. Is it like, so by the way, was there a son or a daughter? Where'd where, where where it go? <laughs> now, is it said that it was Calico Jacks? Because she was known to be horny. <laughs> I think there was a historian who said she did not have an, how did he phrase it? An overabundance of, oh, I wish I could find that quote. It was, her virtue was often in question. Uh, it put it a little more elegantly than, yes. than yours. It well, was I mean, presumed, yeah. but you know, they didn't exactly have paternity tests. And there was at least one historian who said that Anne and her later partner, Mary, did keep like the, the gentlemen of the ships tolerated them because they kept everyone satisfied. Was that true? I have no idea. But it was written somewhere. Again, it yeah. could have just been like, you know, this is bad for women because... <laughs> Well, and also they say that, but it could be delivering them drinks or oh, yeah. singing to them or whatnot. Because <laughs> back then, a woman singing to, like, on the ship was, like, the biggest of, like, going to a concert. They loved it. When they would port, they would invite, what do they call them, courtesans? No, oh, yeah. To come onto the ship, not to, like, have sex or anything, but to sing to these men. And it was the best thing in the world to them. Because they've been hearing a man's voice constantly in their head for six months, a year 
year, a year and a half. So hearing that voice, it, it kept them in line. It is possible, but somehow I can't envision Anne being like their siren song when she's, well, when she's the way she is. Apparently when she got back on the ship, they went on a three-month pirate bender of raiding and pillaging. <laughs> um, and it proved to be apparently some of the more profitable time in uh, Calico Jack's. I'm just trying to envision now if he has an accountant, you know, keeping yeah. track. Well, they did. They they had they had people who did accounting on the boat, and you got paid in something called shares. But I believe this is about the time where she got her ship, isn't it? Well, it was right after the birth of her child is when she got her own ship, wasn't it? I don't know. Oh. I did not encounter that in the many places that I did my ever so deep research. Okay. As I, I just looked at a lot of internet mm. sites. But they did capture a Dutch ship. And on the crew was a young man who caught Anne's fancy. So she recruited said captive to join Calico Jack's crew. And allegedly she attempted to seduce this young man. Which I cannot imagine is a good idea in confined tiny quarters like I this. I know but, this story. <laughs> I know where this is going. But, um. This is how she meets who turns out to be her best friend. Mary Reed. Indeed. Okay, so you brought up Mary Reed. A slight little detour. I know a little bit about Mary Reed. Oh, do you? Yeah, she was about the same age as Anne. All right, and uh, she was born in a well-to-do upper-class family. Initially, her mom married a wealthy sea captain uh, who died at sea. Um, I believe he was thrown overboard by his own men. Really? At least that's what, I, that's what I've heard and read in books. She, her mom got an allowance yeah, her mom got an allowance from her mother-in-law so that her and Mary could provide for themselves. Mary was she was she was born out of wedlock. Okay. But the the sea captain wasn't her dad. That's awkward. Yeah. And uh Mary had a half brother. Um I'm not qu- quite sure how old this brother was. And <laughs> funny enough, her surname was never given. Like Reed is obviously not her real surname. Or her original name. Yeah, her original name. <laughs> so we don't know her maiden. Yeah, name. we don't we really don't know her maiden name. He died. The The younger brother died. And the mom was like, cut the hair off and posed Mary as the little boy, as the little brother. Because she was born out of wedlock. So the brother, it's not, he was older than Mary, but not... Not too not much older. older. Okay. No. So she lived as a boy for a lot, like a little bit of her life. It does make me question, like we know why Anne dressed in men's clothes and such. But she wasn't a transvestite necessarily. And she wasn't trying to parade herself as, look, I'm a man. She she was just being more practical about it, I think. I wonder what happens if there's like any psychological weirdness. If you know you're a girl and you're thrust into the life of a boy, it's sort of like a forced trans. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't no, know. No, it really is. Well, uh, there are, there's like the forced trans, apparently, and Bonnie Mary Reed, they were all forced into this trans kind of position. Well, I don't know. I think Anne, again, she found it to be very liberating because she did it willingly, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm not so much sure about Mary. I think Mary Bennett fitted from it in a way, especially in a fairly oppressive society. At least she found it's easier to be a boy. But I don't know. I'm just very curious about what happens when someone is effectively made I don't know if they could be technically called trans but if they're just like made to disguise themselves and like live as a boy even if you're not. <laughs> yeah. No. She she well Mary Reed lived as a boy from like two years old. She was like two or three years old when she started being so dressed up as a little boy. Yeah. When she was 13 her grandmother died. The woman that would give them um, the allowance. Yeah. The allowance 
allowance, and she had no inheritance whatsoever, nothing to live off of. There weren't many jobs available for young women. Probably um, not. Like back then, but, but I mean, secretary, but, not a thing. But as a boy, she could find work easier. You know, make more money as a boy, like a stable boy or something. Yeah, Mary. Now Mark, I believe. I think it was Mark. Uh, got a job as a valet <laughs> and a juvenile footman. Nice. Yeah, a footboy. That sounds yeah. like a weird fetish. It really does. Around the time she was 15, she joined the British Royal Navy. Like, she was hauling gunpowder. So, you you know this girl, she was hauling gunpowder for these cannons, but her cannons were huge. Like, her her arms had to be... <laughs> like, she was stout because those things, they weighed upwards of like 200 pounds. Now, I've heard that there's a term for this job, powder monkey? Powder monkey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds almost cute, but I would imagine it's not. <laughs> yeah. And then, later on, she joined the Flemish army and served both in the infantry and the cavalry. So she's really either there's good money there or maybe she's just happy with this kind of life. Yep. Tomboy at minimum. Yeah, no, definitely <laughs> She's tomboy. not the lady sort to be sitting there, you know, teaching herself embroidery. No. Both of these women we're speaking of did not stri- do not strike me as the embroidery type. They didn't have doilies in no. the room. <laughs> one, one, one stabbed somebody to death with a flat spoon, essentially. <laughs> and the other one was throwing around crates of powder like it was nothing. You just cannot get over the the little butter knife story. No, like, do you know how hard it is to hurt somebody with a with a butter knife? I am just remembering when my youngest in what was it, elementary school or middle school, took a butter knife in his lunchbox mm-hmm. because he wanted to be able to cut up an apple. And actually, we got a call from the principal saying that he had brought a weapon to school. And the principal even admitted, "I know it's just a butter knife, but we have rules." And we have sort of joked about that. <laughs> <laughs> the a, deadly butter knife of doom. <laughs> a, a pencil is more deadly than that butter knife. Right? It's um, deadly to butter. But apparently, Mary got her name Reed when she was actually in the army. She fell in love with a soldier. Oh, well. Yeah, whose surname was Reed. And about, she was about Not exactly the place you expect to find a, a spouse. Yeah. Uh, well, can <laughs> love bloom on the battlefield? I mean, <laughs> I guess. So, she was around 17, 18 and she fell in love with this dude and took, and her name was Mary Reed. They settled in the Netherlands, of course, because you know Flemish yeah yeah I believe they bought a tavern or an inn that sounds kind of uninteresting for someone to be an innkeeper's wife when you've been a powder monkey you've been in the army Mm -hmm. or the navy or she's been very busy and now she has to be a girl again yeah yeah and like she was she went there expecting that she was just gonna live this like unadventurous life she was gonna be the wife of a tavern owner or whatnot but he died like two years later and she was not able to keep the inn running by herself. Well, with all the skills she has, I'm not sure if innkeeping was really one she developed whilst in the army. And let's see, let's face it, she spent a lot of her life as a man, so she was just like, you know what? I'm gonna be a man again, and went to look for work. She she learned the worth. She was worth more as a man than she was a woman. I think what you're saying is, much as today, the earning potential of a gentleman is far better than that of a girl. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, well, it's, you know, like I was telling you the other day, one of the main reasons why this is 93% of all workplace fatalities are men. Now, are we going to assume it's because men are dumb? I think some of them are. I, I, think, it's, <laughs> I think it's the stupidity. They'll just like, oh, I'll take the job. You know. You know. <laughs> What's OSHA? <laughs> yeah, for real. No, she she found herself on a Dutch ship. Oh, you're just going to leave me hanging having said that men are dumb. I don't really think that, but sometimes they are a little... Um, let's, okay, let's face it. 
I'm I'm leaving that because I know it. I, <laughs> I have lived it. Okay, so you're saying that men are, at least at this time, financially, as earners, worth more because they get the more dangerous the jobs. The more dangerous jobs, yes. Okay, I mean, I could see it. Like I that's, that. that's one of the reasons why men were paid more is because women weren't giving the da- were given the dangerous job because it was mostly men. Let's face it, you put a man and a woman in the same job and, you know, someone says, hey, sir, go up there and do this. This, and he's like, yeah, I'll do that. And the woman's like, you're stupid. You're going to die. <laughs> like, I mean, seriously. It's like, this ladder's a little shaky. I don't think I will. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she joined, a, she, she joined a Dutch ship as a privateer, which is sort of like a legal pirate. Yeah. Yep. Again, as Rennies, we learn a lot about pirates versus privateers. Basically, privateers are, as you say, legal pirates. They're usually sponsored by the crown of some country. Yeah. And Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if, like, the Flemish crown... Would sponsor. <laughs> I don't know. I know that England had a lot of privateers. I think Spain probably did because they were constantly robbing each other. So she actually found out that the lifestyle was like more egalitarian than military. There was not that whole structure system of the military where she was more equal. No, so less hierarchy, got, more yeah, yeah, she democratic. Was, yeah. And then along came Woods Roger with his, like you said, pirate pardon. But she was like, nah, she held, she held out to be a privateer. And like, I think she was that until she was captured by Calico Jack of all people and and Bonnie. (laughs) And who was um, in her I I don't know what it's like to be on a ship and postpartum. Yeah. uh, But I'm not sure if there were trust issues between Jack and Anne considering as you said this was you know probably not unusual. But Anne was also probably not known for like just staying with one guy for a whole lot. I mean I don't know what her loyalty is. I mean I'm sure she enjoyed him and all for whatever reason Mary or Mark had lost her husband so they didn't have really anyone to confide in other than each other and well, yeah I as mean, women seem to be able to sniff each other out so to speak they became very close friends of course they did jack didn't even suspect mary's true gender for a long time he thought she was a dude he thought she was mark i've read that on the one hand he knew and on the other he didn't so i don't know which of those is true but i know that at least until he figured it out there was like suspicion and oh some yeah there jealousy. was some jealousy there yeah but also that they they were inseparable like mary and Anne. They, they were at like attached at the hip. Well, because they're each they have such a similar story really. Yeah. With the... And they fall together. With so many losses with pretending to be men for their own reasons. And yeah, I'm sure they were equals in battle. Though I suppose Mary had probably more actual training. Now um, I've read that there are questions about were by, they let me just guess, friends yeah, or yeah. were they more than friends? And of course, um, these I'm, days we may never know. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, given that Anne at least at first tried to seduce who she thought was Mark I'm, I'm wondering if the uh, no I'm a girl really you know bothered her it may not have but they they did eventually have to reveal her gender because like Jack threatened to kill his rival like he thought that Mark he threatened to car- yeah, yeah okay Mark he, he threatened Mark or some counts to say that he was well aware and that he like encouraged the women to have physical relationships and that he might be included of course that does sound like a typical guy fantasy so I I don't know if that's sensationalized 
speculation or mm. is it true? Yeah. We don't know. Well, I think that's just dudes going, yeah, that's hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even back then, that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Governor Woods Rogers, of course, again, places a bounty on the entire crew of the Billy, William, <laughs> in 1720, including both women. I understand that part of this is because they were one of the most, I guess you could say, prolific active pirate ships. They, yeah. they were very um, busy and did a lot of piratey type things during this time. They so did. they were kind of a nuisance to anyone who was not into pirates. <laughs> yeah, they 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 caused a lot of uh, they caused a lot of havoc. Uh, like insurance companies are just oh my gosh, <laughs> like their identities and their infamy just it blew up. You know, especially like hearing from pirate to pirate these stories of oh they have two women who are very deadly on their crew. Other pirates are going to be like whoa, <laughs> did you hear about that? one. <laughs> oh, you mean the William? The one with the two women? Yeah, we don't screw with them. <laughs> so, uh... So women on, women on board are definitely bad luck for the other crews. For the other crews, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was it? Bounty hunters, they came for them courtesy of Governor Rogers, who, this guy just, he kept pushing. He, he hated pirates. No one knows why he hated pirates with a passion. Like, he Even was he had one. Been one. Yeah, he was one, and he just hated pirates with a passion. Huh. So but, he hired the Mandalorian. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, wrong franchise. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and it kept Calico Jack and the crew of the William really busy. Yeah, it, it was it was a big revelation to just normal people. <laughs> normal people. Normal people who weren't pirates that there were these two women on board and now they had this huge target on their back. He's like, that's the ones you need to go for. Like, he pointed them out. So the governor uh, you know, knew of Anne before, so I'm sure he knew of her. I wonder how he figured out about Mary or was it he just heard about, oh, there's that ship with the two women. You mean the woman? No, the two women. The two women. Oh, yeah. the two women. <laughs> so, okay, that would definitely keep them busy. Yeah. And that kind of... You remember Jack Rackham we talked about? Rackham. Rackham. <laughs> Rackham, Rackham, Rackham. Well, kind of caused a breakdown. Well, he is being sort of outperformed by these two girls who are teenagers still. Yeah, like, you know... <laughs> old, uh, old Anne's former husband, he's he's now kind of mad. Uh-oh. Yeah. He spent more time drinking down below than participating in the ship's business. Collecting his, his badges. Yeah. So, uh, one evening, John Burnett, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Is he? I'm going to assume that he's one of the enforcers or bounty hunters. Well, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. uh, he found William, he found the William after Calico Jack had or hosted a wild rum soap port. Now, we mentioned before that the whole rum thing was kind of just legendary. I mean, I guess it does happen sometimes. Yeah. And as... Well, uh, I mean, they were known to drink, but they weren't like lushes. Yeah. It's not like they just spent the entire day hungover. Well, no. So one of my favorite shows at the Renaissance Festival is Fletcher Moon and the Culture of Beer. Little side note, Fletcher Moon is also, I think, one of the lead singers of a group called the Pirates Royale, but they perform at our festival, Carolina, and multiple other places. But he has a whole show that discusses beer and the history of beer and how water wasn't really safe for a long time. <laughs> I don't even like beer, but I love listening to his stories. Okay, so rum. Rum was a thing. Yeah, rum was a thing. And of course, most of the crew were like asleep or passed out. It, so this is like as the party has wound down. Yeah, yeah. Um, the after party. The after party. Or the party party. <laughs> The women tried to alert the crew and started to fight back. So they were, they either could hold their liquor better or they didn't drink much. <laughs> well, uh, Or maybe they didn't participate in this. Historically, the... women can actually hold liquor a lot better. Hmm. Not you. 
<laughs> you just had to tell everybody, didn't you? Yeah. So Calico and his Calico and his crew, they tried, but they failed. They it was it was a feeble attempt to like scare off the privateers. No, it didn't work. Jack decided to he was just gonna surrender. And the ladies, they well, don't seem to surrendering swords. They they kind of refused to surrender on that one. The rest of the crew like locked themselves in the hall, like <laughs> like the ladies were on their own. So they just kind of Thelma and Louise that crap. <laughs> Awesome. Now, I have read that Mary was so frustrated that she kind of just fired into the hull and actually killed one of her crew members. Yeah, she killed one of her crew members. (laughs) She just kind of aimed the gun down and fired and killed somebody. Just something about, like, what is it? You know, come out and fight like the men you would be. Yeah. Forget what the... We should have really written that down, but she had a great line, allegedly, about it. But (laughs) they they were... They eventually did surrender. Yeah, two girls up against an entire crew of bounty hunters. Oh, oh. There's only so much they could do. They put up a fight. But it kind of worked out in the girls' advantage because the guys, they didn't want to harm them. They're women. Oh. So they... Whereas the women have no problem. Yeah, their (laughs) their instincts were like, uh... Set it to stun. And we don't, <laughs> so, like, so Barnett, like, he took them prisoner and and took them to to stand trial in Jamaica. Them, as in, like, the whole crew minus the one that Mary shot. Yeah, well, yeah, and most of them were actually sentenced to death by hanging. Well, that was pretty common. I think trials for pirates were short and kind of brutal. Really, yeah, very quick. Like, hey, habeas corpus didn't exist when it came to pirates. It's like, oh, and your crime is piracy. Okay, good, you're dead. Yep, you're dead. <laughs> Sorry. The women did have separate trials. I remember reading about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Calico Jack was hanged. He got it bad. Oh. Uh, As if being hanged isn't bad enough. Well, they kind of attached his neck to one side of a rope and attached his feet to a horse and instead of letting him drop they had the horse run ah. you can imagine that you know just the neck snapping of the fall what that would do that usually kills you instantaneously but the running of the horse just kind of how do I put this Pez dispensered not- him I had just read that he was hanged and gibbeted, like, to put on display, which is another... The one that I'm familiar with is they basically put the body in a cage that is about the same size as you and just leave it on there, like, leave it there for display. Well, I mean, that could have been a like thing, too. the worst chandelier ever. Yeah, <laughs> a very morbid chandelier. But I think they even did this in one of the pirate movies where they had several pirates on display, like, dead pirates hanging on display as a, you know, pirates not welcome, this is what happens, message, a gentle message sent. Yeah. There's actually still a cliffside known as Rackham's K. Um, I remember reading that one of Jack's last requests was a final audience to see Anne again. Yeah. She too was in prison at this point, but she was so annoyed with him, she refused a few times, and uh, eventually she did see him before he was hanged. Had you heard about that or read about it? I had not read that. I honestly, no, I, I didn't know about that. Allegedly, this is where, you probably have heard this quote, where she informed him that had you fought like a man you may not be hanged like a dog. Oh! Something to that. I, that was not a direct <laughs> quote, but... Um, well, they were both spicy girls. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> spicy and salty. Yeah. Uh, they both pled not guilty. Which, again, um, wow, that takes some incredible, shall we say, chutzpah. Yeah. Because everyone knew who they were and yeah. what they were up to and how vicious they were. Yeah, not It was like, and, and most people, like most witnesses, attested to their, their viciousness and willingness to protect Protect the ship. Um, and when the judges handed down their sentences of death, they both claimed pregnancy. That does tend to throw a wrench in things. Yep. And they both waited to see, or they were thrown in jail to see.
see if the if their claims were true. Well, yeah, the judges would not want to risk an innocent if that was a potential danger. Yep. So basically, they just had to wait a few months and see what happened. But apparently, they really were. Yeah, yeah. Which um, kind of makes like you wonder. The, the executioners were actually stayed until they gave birth. Though I understand Mary, who's, I think, your favorite, mm-hmm. she didn't make it to that long, though. No, she actually, she died in prison because back then the prisons were not good. Like, the conditions of the prisons were horrible. Because they're uh, so stellar now. Yeah, she, she, well, <laughs> but she back died, then it was probably far worse with, you know, germs and Well, back then she died of a fever. Yeah. I mean. Which kind of sounds sad, you know, to be as feisty and, and vicious as she was that yeah. she was eventually just fell by out, sickness. Yeah, yeah, she was taken out by a fever. Yeah. And unfortunately that kind of left Anne all by her lonesome. Now, curiously. There's no records of death or of Anne's death, are there? Not in Jamaica. Not no. for, So there is some speculation. According to the Oxford Dictionary of National Biography, which sounds like something you just want to sit down and read of a night, it is speculated that Anne Bonny's father, remember him? Yeah. Managed to pay a sort of ransom or bail for his daughter and bring her back to Charlestown. Oh. So allegedly after that, she gave birth to we presume Rackham's child mm-hmm. and in 1721 she remarried to Joseph, Joseph Burley. Yeah. I'm not familiar with him. And she had eight more children. Yeah. And she died in... Burley was like a, a public figure. Interesting. Um, yeah. He, he, he was... He had to be very... Either they didn't reveal who she was or they were... I don't know. Maybe he... That would be an interesting move to make to, if you're a public figure marrying someone as infamous as she. Oh yeah. But she died on April 25th which today is the 23rd of Today April. is the 23rd. So, so very, very near. Yeah, um, Monday we celebrate her death day, I guess. That's kind of rude, but yeah. 1782 in South Carolina. Ha, my home state. Yeah. So there again, that's the whole reason we're talking about any of this. We love how interesting she is, but... And, you know, this one wasn't as spooky as well, we could have been. spooky, but, but... I mean, pirates as a whole were just very interesting. They, eat, they, they have like a creepy connotation with like oh, when yeah. it comes to them so well because they have such this lawless ideal about them and they do seem to engender a lot of uh, ghost stories and such I mean there's how, how many skeletons are like standing about doing light live person things in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride yeah. at the very beginning I mean it starts out with this kind of creepy feel and you know what with the Jolly Roger and all I don't know I do feel that they they qualify for Southern Fried Spooky yeah I do and I, I don't th- know something about I'm sorry Jane Rock. But again, I was thinking of Blackbeard with the lit fuses. That's got to be a terrifying vision. Again, I think that's something that we need to cover because he did will. some spooky and creepy stuff. <laughs> he sounds like, awesome. Yeah, he and his fate is even worse. Save it for next time. I will. So Anne Bonny, despite her tumultuous life, seems to have gone out kind of quietly as yep. an old lady somewhere in South Carolina. Yeah, which... Kind of I wonder mean, if she sat there on her porch rocking back and forth and sipping her mint juleps and thinking about how much more exciting it was back in the day or did she <laughs> missing 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 her friend mary yeah i just i don't know i just cannot imagine her being the maternal sort with eight children but maybe I, you never know i mean just because you're in a life of crime doesn't mean you can't just turn it around and be a normal citizen <laughs> maybe she got it all out of her system at some point probably or know. or the fear of being hanged kind of got I, it out of her system that might be yeah that could well do it put up on display like they did most pirates back then like oh, yeah. i mean That'll that'll put the fear of uh, something in uh, you. Yeah, that'll put the fear of Edward in you. <laughs> so are we coming to the end? We are. So we will sail into the sunset on this one. Of course. 
So thank you again for joining us on Southern Fried Swashbucklers. <laughs> Please subscribe and leave us some stars if you value your bounty. Yeah. This is Mad Magical Heather of the Carolina Coast. And this is Tony, terror of the southern seas, wearer of the greatest beard in the world. <laughs> May you find favorable winds until we, we meet again. again. You know, a lot of fun with this is just the pirate lingo. Nar, surrender that booty. You know my mom listens to this show. Your booty shivers me timber. You're just gonna do this all night, aren't you? DR. Oh, <laughs> you wanna walk my plank? <sighs>